<laughs> and welcome to episode 26 of Mondo Cool Movie Dudes. My name is Mac. My name is Sean. And my name is Keith. And this week's movie slash TV show episode is from 1990. It's the pilot episode of Twin Peaks, directed by David Lynch, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Michael Ontkeen, Warren Frost, Grace Zabriskie, Ray Wise, Dana Ashbrook, Gary Hirschberger, Sherilyn Finn, Lara Flynn Boyle, James Marshall, and Everett McGill. The Twin Peaks pilot is a 1990 American mystery drama television episode that was also aired as a television movie and released straight to video with an alternate ending. Got all that good. How about a plot synopsis? When beautiful young Laura Palmer is found brutally savage, murdered, and wrapped in plastic, the death of the Twin Peaks homecoming queen is big news in the small town. As the news spreads, FBI Special Agent Dale Cooper travels to the northern Washington state town to solve this and other related cases. Alright, so what's you guys' histories with this particular Twin Peaks episode, or even just the franchise in general. My dad introduced it to me, actually. Oh, nice. It was when I let him borrow my Xbox 360, and it still had Netflix on that thing, and it just happened to be on there a while ago now. But yeah, he introduced it to me, and we just watched the shit out of it. Like, he had binge-watched it, and I came over for dinner. I mean, my history with this is almost Pretty non-existent. New. The only real exposure I had is that one time when you came over and we watched this particular, this episode together as yeah. kind of like an introduction to the series. And I didn't see the alternate original ending at the time, so yeah. that was still a, uh, a mystery to me. Outside of that, no real exposure to this. I had no idea that it was even like a television series or anything like that. Yeah, my exposure to it came from... Actually, I remember the show I Love the 90s. They talked about it for like the 1990 episode, and they showed like a lot of really weird clips from it. I remember like really wanting to see it. And actually, yeah, sort of a nostalgia trip for me to watch this episode again at the time of year that we did, because I remember... I think I watched like the first five episodes of this show Thanksgiving Day of like 2009. So back like eight years ago, and this is probably at least the eighth time I've seen this episode. <laughs> I've watched through this, the whole series at least four times. I've seen about half of the new season, which is different but still pretty cool. And yeah, I've seen the movie, I've read a couple books related to the show. Pretty much a super fan. He read a fucking comic book. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> you super nerds can shut up and not email us. Yeah. Twin Peaks comic book, man. Do you think that'll ever happen? Maybe it already has. I don't know. Oh, yeah, good It'd be point. worth looking into. They made a Twin Peaks cookbook. Really? Yeah. You know, pie recipes and stuff. It's a lot of stuff they would eat on the show. <laughs> when are we going to get the Twin Peaks Cherry manga? Pie. That'd be cool. David Lynch is popular in Japan. Like, really popular. You should let somebody do it. Like, get Hideshi Hino to yeah. illustrate it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, David Lynch directed those weird-ass fucking uh, PlayStation 3 commercials. Yeah, you, do you told remember me that. those? He's done some commercial yeah. directing. Their advertising campaign was like they wanted to portray the console as something otherworldly. And the only one they knew was like David Lynch. Yeah, it's a little tidbit for you. Like fucking nerds out there. <laughs> Choke it down and eat it up. Eat your ramen. So, so I got my damn fine cup of coffee here ready. And so we can get into the cast. What do you guys think of Kyle MacLachlan? Well, he didn't come in until about 40 minutes in, but he's Agent Cooper. I liked him. Yeah. He's got like that eccentric FBI agent nailed down to a T. Yeah, not since the days of Dune, by the way. Hunk goes back to Dune. No, I liked him. He seemed like like he really enjoyed his line of work. And yeah. He had like a, this weird fascination with things that he didn't really know about. <laughs> yeah, like nature. Like he's really into the, the trees and stuff. And yeah, like, I saw a snowshoe rabbit, I think. That's yeah, so like crazy. he's interested yeah. in knowing all the facts and details about like the birds yeah. and shit. Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting character. I liked how well he portrayed it, too. And his acting's always good. It's like Kyle MacLachlan. I mean, I haven't 
seen Showgirls. I'm assuming he's awful in that, but who I isn't bet, good I, in that? I, I bet even in that movie, he might but be But that's not good. his fault. <laughs> but yeah. Seen. No, he's always awesome. I love Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, well, there's the mayor of Portlandia mm-hmm. kicking some Dune ass, kicking Sting's ass. He was great. I thought like he was really eccentric, but also like super professional. He was a weirdo, but he was yeah, good loved, at his loved, job. loved what he did. Yeah, like he would talk about donuts, I guess, but then he's like, oh, Harry, we got to do something super important. We can't fuck about. Yeah, he would like act faster than he could speak, and he'd kind of like leave people in the dust sometimes. Yeah. Have to catch up and explain if I, himself. If I talk fast, it's because I think fast. Yeah. <laughs> I get paid to think fast. If you want to get out of here alive, you got to move fast. That's that's the wolf for you. Ow! <laughs> Next up, we got uh, Michael Ontkeen, who played Sheriff Harry Truman, not to be confused with President Truman. I really like this guy in the I show. He's he's kind of a background character. He's a main player, but he's he recedes into the background more once Cooper shows up. I really like how he portrays this character too, and I, I really like this character. He's like the Watson to Sherlock. Yeah, Holmes. yeah. If Sherlock Holmes wasn't an asshole, <laughs> <laughs> right? But no, he was a good proxy. He was kind of like the character that he knows every in the town so we can kind of get up to speed on things with him as he's uh, talking to Cooper and telling him what's what. Yeah, he's kind of like Cooper's guide to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's kind of a Joe Everyman kind of a character that maybe people could relate to if Cooper's too yeah. fucking weird for them. That's <laughs> yeah, fucking really like weirdo. He also, side note, he kind of looks like Brian when he's going to be like 40. <laughs> oh yeah, if he had like <laughs> squinier eyes. Yeah. <laughs> he has that kind of thin face. Yeah. Just going to give him a cowboy hat. And maybe that's why I like him so much. Yeah. Next up we got, it wasn't a huge character but Warren Frost who played Doc Hayward who is Donna's dad and he's like the guy oh. who like shows up when they find Laura older guy who's yeah. kind of like a little old to have like a 17 year old daughter he wasn't the guy with the headphone or the ear I'm glad not the right? only one who noticed that because I thought he did look really old for having a daughter that age <laughs> He was like, oh, the brutality of it. That guy. Yeah. Did he have the earplugs later in the scene, or was that a completely That different was doctor? a different guy. The guy with the, the 3D glasses, that's a different guy. I think you're talking about... He's in the hospital. Maybe the, the, uh, the coroner or the forensics guy. I think that's what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, okay. I don't know if I, I, I know. really remember this guy that well. This, this is It's a big cast. It is. Like, it's, it's a big huge, cast. Yeah. He was just like kind of this nice old man character. He played a doctor. He's, so he also happens to be the father of Mark Frost, the co-creator. Oh, uh, that's cool. Just recently died. He, was, he lived long enough though to be in the new series he's like 90 or something oh wow that's kind of cool. he was in oh he was in Seinfeld uh, there was an episode <laughs> where it was him and Grace Zabriskie next up we have Grace Zabriskie who played Laura Palmer's mom Sarah Palmer I like Sarah Palmer hair and smoking lot. lots of cigarettes I, I thought she was like probably one of the better actors in this I liked, show I agree I liked her guttural screams of anguish <gasps> yeah <laughs> yeah like she seems to be almost like semi-conscious for part of the show she just pretty, can't deal with it she's yeah like, she's canatonic yeah. Yeah, yeah chain smoking I like that she chain smokes I like the, the realistic portrayal of that because I feel like yeah your daughter died you would just shut down well she looks so kind of stressed out strong out well from, yeah. the, from the beginning of the episode <laughs> she, and yeah. I mean that's the thing it makes kind of sense that if you watch more of the show like like Laura's life was becoming more and more screwed up and she just seems like a mm. mother who's just really worried about her kid and then the worst thing possible to finally happens. Yeah, I thought she was great. Yeah, she did. Yeah, job. she was awesome. Then we have, he's one of my favorite actors in the show, but he's not in this episode that much. It's Ray Wise who plays Leland Palmer. Uh, uh, yeah, Laura Palmer's dad. His boys only eat the softest of <laughs> yeah. mates. That, I knew I recognized <laughs> him Yeah, we know him from Tim and Eric a yeah, little bit. Dude. I feel like I've seen him in other He's the business hugs guy. Yeah, what else was he in? I don't know really what else he's been. I know he was, I haven't seen it, but he was on that TV show Reaper. Played like the devil, I 
guess. Apparently, he's really good. He looks like the devil, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. He looks like one of Very the many good. antichrists. <laughs> he looks like Dracula. <laughs> he looks like if Dracula fucked the devil in the butt <laughs> and they had a baby. Be this guy. That's harsh. You can cut that out. Like <laughs> I'll think about it. He's awesome. He played that emotion good too. Like you don't really see um, male actors usually do like cry or grievances very well that often in movies. At least not compared to most uh, female actors. But this guy pulled it off. Like I, mm-hmm. he did really good with that. Yeah, he did really well. Yeah, and it's like he tried to fight it for a while, like stay strong, like, and then it just I felt his anguish. Yeah, you see him just kind of collapse right in the middle of like this big business and. Meeting and shit. Yeah, the it's, scene where he drops the phone. Yeah. Oh, what, oh, baby. No, he's awesome. And was the only thing that dropped in that room. Oh. <laughs> what, like somebody's oh. hard on or something? <laughs> like that whole fucking meeting, yo. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bombs. Dude, that, yeah, that made Ben Horn's dick go. So soft. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just don't want that oh to lose you. I'm trying to fill in the blanks. <laughs> and I'm going to look up one of these people because I can't remember who the fuck it, they play. But anyway, next up is Dana Ashbrook who played Bobby, Laura's dingbat boyfriend. Oh, I Bobby love, was fucking awesome. Bobby, Bobby was, was pretty rad. Tunnel Snakes rules. He was pretty badass, actually. <laughs> if anybody gets that reference, that's what Bobby is. He, like, yeah. I like when he fucking... I didn't... Killer or whatever the fuck. Like this dude's got I style for days. Yeah. yeah, he's styling on everybody he's in this movie. Sw- master swag. Rico dude. Suave. <laughs> Surfing on cars. And he's like, Pablo Picasso, dude. Never caught called master. Yeah. Fucking he's, everybody hey, in that he's restaurant. Surf- yeah, he's on the top of the fucking car drinking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's at people. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, nah, he looked like a little straight little douchebag. Oh, he was like he a high school her. bad boy. That's why every chick, yeah. like every chick, wanted into his pants. Yeah, I wish I was like that in high school. Yeah, yeah. Would have been the sweet yeah. light. You would have won. I would have yeah. wanted into Bobby's pants too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would have bought my way into those pants. You know what I'm saying? Jesus Christ! <laughs> would have turned him into a male prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make Bobby a fucking slut. Make him work Dirt for cheeseburgers like Smokey. Man's 12, gotta eat, Julian. Get twelve half-eaten cheeseburgers over here. So I need, I need you to. Fuck and do me a solid and look up Gary Hirschberger on IMTV because <laughs> he is next up and I don't remember who the fuck that is but yeah Bobby I thought he played this character really well too this character actually exists in real life like this fucking like straight up just snot dickhead it's sort of an archetype of this show it's kind of like Blue Velvet the way it kind of has these kind of like 1950s movie people kind of character yeah Gary Hirschberger played Mike Bobby's little assistant oh you oh, oh, assistant asshole snake. the blonde guy yeah he calls him Snake <laughs> Yeah, he does. I called him Bobby's boyfriend. (laughs) Dude, Bobby's in fucking jail. Bobby's in jail and I gotta freak him out. God, bro. (laughs) He was good, too. He just didn't have a whole lot of a role. He was was kind of a bitch. He was was like Bobby's bitch. Yeah, he's just bitching at people. He's always (laughs) bitching out his girlfriend all the time. He's like, where were you supposed to be with me? Donna, where the (laughs) fuck were you? Yeah, bro. You're supposed to be having cheeseburgers with Matt. I, mean, like, I don't give a shit your friend's dead, dude. My friend's in fucking jail and fucking lock up with nobody. Yeah, fuck your friend. She's already dead, all right? My friend's still alive and he's suffering. He's been in jail for 20 minutes. This fucking sucks. This is Laura's world. This is, I miss him. This is Laura's world. This is, this is fucking Bobby's world. He was okay. He was sort of just like, he was like the backup Bobby. He was like in almost as many scenes, but just didn't have as much to if, do. Yeah, like if Bobby were to be taken out by some horrible, horrible accident, he would take up the mantle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he would put on that leather jacket yeah. <laughs> and feather his hair some more. Start like fucking like. Snapping. I didn't do it, dude. If Bobby's not a person, it's just an identity. Yeah. <laughs> Passes yeah. from vessel to vessel. 
Yeah, it's a fucking that's parasite. Actually, that's interesting because that's actually an idea that comes up big in the show. Oh, no shit. Just about a different character. Anyway, so next up we got Sherilyn Finn who played Audrey Horn. I hated her. She was a little <laughs> shit. I was like, why is the point of this person even being alive right now? Like, I like her theme song. Like, I, I really like, like her. Bum, 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 oh, bum, yeah. Bum, I, I really like her in the show. She does a lot of cool shit, actually, as the show progresses. And this, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess in the pilot she doesn't have a whole lot to she's do. Just she's just like a gremlin. She just goes yeah, around she, making trouble. <laughs> she's exactly like a gremlin. I thought it was just funny how much of a little shit she is, always sabotaging her dad. It's like, what's going to happen yeah. if I pull this pencil out of this cup? Uh, and it's like, dude, you know this. You know this. You're in high school. Come on. You know that's like, going to happen. Put the pencil down. Put it down. Caffeinated. Uh, I liked her shoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, she did not lack for style in the shoe department. Oh, no. She was Smoking hot. butts in school, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah she didn't give she any was, fucks. She was badass. She was... And she had a fat ass. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> built, dude. Built to breed. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. Oh man. So next up we got Lara Flynn Boyle. <laughs> what a fucking episode so far. This is gonna be the best really one ever. In fucking history. <laughs> <laughs> Lara Flynn Boyle played Donna. Donna was awesome. Yeah, I like Donna a lot in this episode. She was kind of like the uh, girl the next door. The grieving friend. And kind of like on the inside of what's going on with Laura's dad. Yeah, she, her and James, like they knew they were like trying to figure out all this mess. Yeah, because they were her best friends, weren't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She was really good. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened to Lara Flynn Boyle. Like, I've looked her up. She hasn't really been in like a big movie since Men in Black 2. Like really? Like 15 years ago. Man, she that's... looks really weird now. She's had like a lot of plastic surgery. Kind of looks like a duck person because the collagen looks... <laughs> hey, maybe she can be in the Duckman movies. <laughs> Wait, Duck Kid? Wait, what? Uh, what's that? Howard the Duck? They're going to make a new one of that. No, I thought it was a uh, Duck Man. He was like, wasn't he on... Like... That was a TV show, yeah. Yeah, like a cartoon fucking... Yeah, yeah we'll do yeah. the live action. Yeah, with Jason Alexander. <laughs> Even the Howard the Duck movie, yeah. He, she could be the love interest. Portrayed some good emotion here. She had a pretty yeah. good range of emotion. She's really good at being pissed off. Oh, My yeah. fucking friend's dead. Don't tell me where to be. <laughs> Don't tell me what I can't smoke and what I can't drink. Mike's in jail. I thought it was kind of funny when uh, James gets pulled over towards the end. She's just like, he didn't do anything. He and didn't they, do anything. He did. Like she says it like three times. And then they I shoot him funny. anyways. They just shoot him dead. This is awful. <laughs> they shoot him dead. She just, she just keeps saying he didn't do anything while they're pumping his dead body full of bullets. Like GTA. Like they just keep shooting. Yeah, it's like five cops with shot, shotguns just blowing him away. So next up, we got James Marshall who played James. James, the meathead. Yeah, the five head. <laughs> Looks like Frankenstein's monster. I thought he was all right. I thought he was pretty good as just doing kind of like a James Dean sort of thing. So. No, I thought he was actually. Good. He wasn't in it a whole lot. He even pops yeah. in the episode like later. Yeah, he was good. Pretty subdued. But you can tell he was really, really sad. He, he gets some good sad faces. He's a biker, man. You know, he's he doesn't. Like the quiet. It's not gonna, it's the not quiet type. Fucking cry right now, okay? He snapped that, that pencil really good. That was, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> Number two in everything is nuts, dude. Busting through that lid like nobody's like business. Strong. He probably jerks off more than Louis C.K. <laughs> Oh my god, that's where Louisa K got all of his notes. Jimothy This is Carey. already off the rails. This is turning into another Dune. Fucking David Lynch, man. He's just, he's just too weird, He's dude. got the stink eye on us, dude. Yeah, he's, he's remotely us. viewing us to watch this and putting weird vibes on our Yeah, show. from the astral planes, he's fucking cursing us right now. Yeah, he's astrally meditating into our podcast. <laughs> David Lynch is actually really into that shit. Yeah, transcendental meditation. That's where he gets a lot of his ideas, he says. Last but not least, another Dune returnee, Everett McGill who played Big Ed from Big Ed's Gas Farm. Also, oh. yeah, since yeah. the days of people under the stairs, three time. Wow, this I think this is a, our first three time 
time returnee. He's probably yeah. a patron saint now. Yeah, he's up there, point. dude. Yeah, I really like this guy. Yeah, he was awesome. His wife, Big Boss, made him look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, just made him look like a bitch. Yeah, I watched that. <laughs> I really liked, uh, yeah, also returnee from People Under the Stairs. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She, was, she was the mother. Weird. Uh, Did they come paired up? In the, yeah, contracts? it wasn't a coincidence. It was oh. just that Wes Craven really liked Twin Peaks. So that was intentional. Yeah, because it came out actually, yeah, a year after this. I thought it was funny. I watched it with Brian and like the part where she yells something at him. He's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, he's like, there's up. a really polite way of saying, yeah, shut the fuck up. He's pretty cool when he pops up. He's like a gas station attendant. He's a nice, he seems like you're just your nice uncle or yeah, something. Nice to everybody. Strange uncle. Ever <laughs> strange uncle. Strange uncle. Strange uncle. <laughs> so yeah, that's a hell of a, hell of a goddamn cast. Yeah. Let's get into the not-so-brief history of the Twin Peaks pilot. And by not so brief, my goodness, that's a wall of text if I ever saw one. <laughs> Following the success of Blue Velvet in 1986, David Lynch was commissioned by Warner Brothers to write a screenplay based on the Marilyn Monroe biography, Goddess. Lynch later said he was sort of interested. I love the idea of this woman in trouble, but I didn't know if I liked it being a real story. It was on this project that Lynch first collaborated with Mark Frost. Wait, he likes the idea of a woman being in trouble? <laughs> for, an, for a movie idea. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or maybe for real, I don't know. There's a subgenre about that it's called Riona. Google it the next time you got nothing to Wait, do. Wait, really? I thought it was going to be like snuff film. But... Some Japanese bullshit probably. We'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> next time on Wonderful Movie Dudes. <laughs> it was we on, get weird. It was on this project that Lynch first collaborated with Mark Frost. Although Warner Brothers dropped the project, the two remained friends. Lynch's agent later encouraged him to make a television show with the same vision of America he'd shown in Blue Velvet. Frost developed the idea of a sort of Dickensian story about multiple lives in a contained area that could sort of go perpetually. The setting was originally going to be North Dakota, with the working title also being North Dakota. Lynch and Frost sought inspiration in the 1957 film Peyton Place, which takes place in a small, seemingly idyllic New England town that's actually full of hidden problems, including murder, suicide, alcoholism, and incest. And Satanism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a satanic panic. Because of the lack of satanic mountains picnic. and trees seen in Peyton Place, which was shot in Maine, in the plains of North Dakota, the location was changed to Washington State. The working title was changed to Northwest Passage, which later became the title of the pilot episode. Lynch and Frost decided to design the town first and the characters later. They drew a map of the town and came up with the idea of a body washing up on the shore of a lake. The murder of Laura Palmer was partly based on the real-life unsolved 1908 murder of Hazel Irene Drew, in Sand Lake, New York. Lynch and Frost pitched the show to ABC in a 10-minute meeting during a Writers Guild of America strike in 1988 and gave network executives only a brief outline and explained that they wanted to combine a police investigation with a soap opera but planned to have the murder mystery fade into the background as the series progressed. ABC liked the idea and they were asked to write a pilot, which they did in just 10 days. Frost <laughs> wrote the more talkative characters like Benjamin Horn, with Lynch writing for Agent Cooper stating, he says a lot of the things I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's basically David Lynch. Yeah, right? he's a yeah, he's a weird guy like that. So is this like just a big self-insert story? Yeah, it's a big Lynch? yeah, big Mary yeah. Sue. <laughs> 
<laughs> ABC Entertainment president Brandon Stoddard hoped to get the show on the air by the fall of 1989, but he left his position that March as production was beginning. The pilot was shot on the condition that an additional ending be shot as well, so the episode could be sold as a film and released on video if the show wasn't picked up. ABC executive Bob Iger liked what he saw during production, but convincing the network that the show was worth continuing wasn't easy. He showed the episode to a younger, more diverse test audience who liked it, helping him convince the network to make more episodes. Some executives still envisioned Twin Peaks as a seven-hour miniseries rather than a full-fledged television show, but Iger was able to change their minds. Isabella Rossellini was originally going to play the character of Josie Packard, whose name was going to be Giovanna Packard. That might have been really cool. Yeah, she's really good in Blue Velvet, but she dropped out prior to shooting. The pilot was shot in the towns of Snoqualmie, North Bend, and Fall City in western Washington. The three towns are all about an hour away from the town of Roslyn, where the TV show Northern Exposure was shot. Al Strobel, who played Philip Gerard, was originally cast as a walk-on part as a reference to the TV show The Fugitive, which also featured a one-armed man. Lynch had the idea of Strobel giving the Fire Walk With Me speech and expanded his part in the closed ending. Frank Silva, who played Bob, originally worked as a set dresser for the pilot episode. Lynch overheard a woman telling Silva not to block himself into a room while moving furniture, and Lynch had a mental image, a mental image of Silva in that room. Lynch found out that Silva was an actor and decided to shoot two panning shots in Laura's bedroom, one with Silva and one without, and wasn't sure at first which one to use. During a later shoot, a take was thought to be ruined because Silva was reflected in a mirror, but this only gave Lynch more inspiration to feature Silva in the pilot and the subsequent series. Cheryl Lee was originally cast mostly to play the corpse of Laura Palmer in the pilot, as she wasn't a professional actor at the time. David Lynch thought she had a star quality while shooting the home video that was shown in the episode, and decided to greatly expand her role in the series. ABC, Standards and Practices, tried to have one shot shortened, the extreme close-up of tweezers going under Laura Palmer's fingernail. Oh, what? That's such a great scene. But Lynch and Frost refused. Yeah, fuck you, ABC. Yeah, fuck them. You fuckers. <laughs> During the same scene, the lights in the room were flickering, but Lynch decided not to replace them because he liked the effect it created. The red room scene in the closed ending wasn't in the script, but rather came to Lynch spontaneously. As he put it, I was leaning against a car. The front of me was leaning against this very warm car. My hands were on the roof and the metal was very hot. The red room scene leapt into my mind. Little Mike was there and he was speaking backwards. For the rest of the night, I thought only about the red rum. <laughs> That's a pretty good David Lynch. That's really funny. <laughs> Lynch was happy with the footage used for the closed ending. <laughs> That's seriously what he sounds like. Yeah, no, and seriously. It's like amazing how, like, fucking spot on it is. Yeah, it's pretty good. Lynch was happy with the footage used for the closed ending, and much of it was reused for a dream sequence in the series' third episode. The pilot was first shown at the Telluride Film Festival in September 1989. The pilot premiered on ABC on April 8th, 1990, reaching a wide audience, with 21.7% of American television viewers that night tuning in, translating to 34.6 million people. The version with a closed ending was released on video and aired in Europe as a standalone TV movie. The American version of the pilot was unavailable on home video until 2007 due to legal issues. Twin Peaks ran for a total of 30 episodes before being cancelled following the conclusion of the second season due to declining ratings. A feature film, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me, was released in 1992 and served as a prequel to the TV series. A new series, Twin Peaks The Return, aired on Showtime in 2017. The show also spawned several 
books and audiobooks. And the Twin Peaks pilot was made with a budget of $4 million and, you know, it wasn't shown in theaters, so. Made zero worldwide. <laughs> Goose egg. A little bit about David Lynch. Born in Missoula, Montana in 1946, David Lynch has become one of the most successful, well-known, and respected directors of independent films of the last four decades. He made his first short film in 1966, and after six years of production, his feature film debut came with 1977's Eraserhead. He's also known for The Elephant Man, Dune, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Lost Highway, The Straight Story, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. Lynch developed a strong interest in music while working on the Twin Peaks soundtrack with Angelo Badalamenti, and has now released two solo albums of his own. So we start with the classic intro here. We've got a shot of a bird, followed by a bunch of shots of a mill and like a saw sawing on some saws. It opens with this like really kind of like subdued music. Yeah, I love the music by I the way. I really like the music in this. Yeah, yeah like it's, a lot. It's a great soundtrack. Great. It gives off this like kind of offbeat tone, but it works really well. It's interesting because it's like this, a lot of kind of classic jazz feel to it, but it's also has this early 90s like syntho sound like at this, the same time. Yeah. Like this really, really low wave ambiance. It kind of reminded me yeah. of um, like the Resident Evil 2 soundtrack. A lot like the Resident Evil 2 soundtrack. Huh. Yeah, like in the police station for the first time. Like that music. It's great. Angelo Badalamenti, he did the soundtrack for both this and Blue Velvet. Oh, really? Yeah, with some assistance from David Lynch. And there's like a shot of like a huge log that's like propped up. Yeah, man, I noticed like from the few David Lynch movies I've seen, like he loves his fucking, his scenic shots. And we see the welcome sign. Population 51,201. There aren't even that many people really in that whole area of Washington State that it takes place in. I was going to say that number <laughs> seemed kind of high for um, like a single town. Yeah. What I heard, and this makes a lot of sense to me, is basically they wanted it to be like 5,000 and something. For, it was like a weird network note where they basically just took that number and added a zero because 5,000 sounds about right because we live close to some towns that have about that many people and like, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, it's a great shot of a waterfall, a flowing river. Or... Yeah, I really like the flowing river with the trees and the reflection. And yeah. It kind of like slows down, like they slow the film down in some of these shots. Yeah. Like in the intro, it's pretty nice. Fits the music really well. I think the intro for the pilot is a little bit longer, maybe like 30 seconds, 20, 30 oh. seconds longer than the other episodes. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's just really comfortable. And I remember like when Mac and I would just wake up like hungover. Oh, we yeah. just watch this show. <laughs> like we watch would. two or three episodes. Yeah, like I was trying to get like, you through the show so we could wouldn't have to avoid spoiling things. But it's like nice and mellow. Yeah. It's Eat some cheeseburger clubs and watch some, drink some coffee <laughs> yeah. and watch some Twin Peaks. Yeah, new cheeseburger club. And, Getting that uh, wop slop. Yeah, wop boy. Wop slop, motherfucker. That was so funny when he did that, man. Oh, yeah. Wank Williams in Wop Slop. Wank Williams. That's an immortal name. Oh, right I gotta write that script. The sequel to Boogie Nights. <laughs> We cut into the show here, and we hear the a lonesome foghorn blowing. The first character, interestingly enough, we see is Josie, the lovely Chinese ex-wife of the person who owned the Packard sawmill, so putting on she, makeup. So that's who she was. I knew she owned the sawmill, but I wasn't sure what her actual relation to these people were outside of that. And Pete is gone fishing. We His see him. wife looks really, like, forlorn. Then he's, like, going out. She's like, oh, man, really? Going out again? His wife is, like, a straight-up bitch. kind of was. Yeah, if you see more of their show, she just seems to just not like him at yeah. all. He should just kill her. 
I don't know if we go that crazy yeah. that fast. He's, he still loves her for some grave. reason. Yeah, but you can still love a shallow grave. You can still, love, <laughs> you can still love a corpse. Yeah, he didn't marry her because she could cook. She married her because she could fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> she could fuck. <laughs> so we see him go outside. He walks along the uh, lake shore, and we see a little kind of gray object in the far yeah, background. finds like a bag of shit on the beach. So he's like, what the hell's up with that bag of shit on the beach? And yeah, he chances to turn around to see and he gets closer and figures out oh that shit that's a dead body he calls the police he's very flustered she's dead wrapped in plastic yeah he ends up calling uh lucy and it's like give me the sheriff harry dude we got i got a problem over here over here you just know? like that that's what they sound like in over there yeah she gives really specific phone instructions like the red phone not the gray phone on the table next to the lamp by the window and so on and so which forth. this makes harry look stupid but unfairly man he doesn't know the situation he's busy what the hell he's got a mouthful of donuts doesn't he? I think so. He's trying yes. to get his bearings here. Yeah, dude, he's just woke up. He just finished jerking off on the toilet while he finished taking a shit. Come on. <laughs> Give this guy a break. I wonder if there's a... Oh, my God. Yeah, I shouldn't even get into that. Never mind. <laughs> I know where you're going with it, and yes. Probably. No, I just wondered, you know, like, like you know guys know what a blumpkin is, right? Yeah. I was like, I wonder if there's, like, a term for, like, while you're... I thought you, oh, I thought you were going to say, like, when you... <laughs> and then you... On your... In the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and oh next week's God. movie... <laughs> Oh my god! Never mind, I guess I was thinking something different. <laughs> yeah, great minds don't always think alike. <laughs> Look just like those cakes from KFC. <laughs> Alright, I'm going home. Okay, so, All right, fuck all right. you guys. What's going on? Okay. <laughs> then what happened? So the sheriff and his deputy, I guess, they arrive on the scene, and Andy, he sees the body, and he starts crying like a weak, weak, weak Yeah, like he's man. taking photographs of it and he starts like bawling. And Harry's like, again with this shit? It's just you like, fucking loser? Get it's just your like shit so together and so or you're fired. Barn last year. Yeah, he's an emotional cop. Yeah. He's got a lot of feelings. Yeah, they recognize who it is instantly. Oh my god, it's Laura Palmer. She's the prom queen. Bet you know that old man. Pervert. <laughs> Sick ass. It uh, cuts to Laura's mom at home smoking a cigarette and trying to wake her up. Up, wake up Laura does not knowing that she's not there. Yeah, she's blowing some fat clouds. Yeah, dude, she's vaping. <laughs> yeah, vape nation. She's vape nation, dude. She's blowing smoke rings. She's blowing fucking dragons. She's blowing fucking ships. So she nice. calls she calls up um Bobby's parents. Bobby was Laura's boyfriend? Yes. At the time. Yeah. And she, yeah, she calls the mother. The mother hasn't seen her, but she hasn't seen Bobby either. Bobby ain't home. Bobby MIA. Sarah thinks maybe oh maybe she's with Leland. He had an early meeting. She also calls the football coach because Bobby's on the football team. Bobby's not there. It's funny, actually, you see Mike in the background. I don't know if you guys noticed, but he's in the background. He looks kind of concerned. Like, oh, shoot, is Bobby in trouble? Is Bobby okay? Oh, oh my God, is Bobby all right? I have to help Bobby. Yeah. No, yeah, there's a detail, too. Like, Bobby's been late this whole week or the yeah, past like couple Yeah, like the past weeks. month or something. Yeah, like, he <laughs> yeah. Just, he's always late. She's starting to look a lot more worried, and she calls up the Great Northern Hotel. Well, actually, that's a little bit later. But yeah, we see the Great Northern Hotel. Yeah, it cuts to a uh, fucking prissy bitch Audrey. Audrey looking all hot. Yeah, dude. To a back of Mercedes to go to <laughs> Shaking school. Shaking her ass. Rich nice ass shoes. I was thinking it was like Quentin Tarantino came and took over this movie for a bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Full focus. Yeah, you, well, you see her change her shoes later, so it's like a, it's a setup, dude. It's Chekhov's. Yeah, like they yeah. pointed out. And we see Ben, Horn, and Leland Palmer just 
discussing business. Oh, this is pretty funny. He, like, hawks a loogie into the fire. Oh, does he? That's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't notice that. And they want to <laughs> buy the sawmill's land because it's going out of business soon, they think. And he's like, we're going to be able to buy it for a song. Yeah. One verse, no chorus. They want to build, like, some sort of resort or something. Yeah, and fancy-ass housing estates, all that bullshit. More sprawl. So Ben Horn, he's pitching his whole idea to these Norwegian investors. They've got this whole buttload of Norwegian investors. I thought that was kind of cool. He's talking to them. They've got a, uh, a translator there, so he can translate yeah. everything that he's saying. Which, doesn't that come up later? Like, the translator, he keeps translating something. He's like, we don't need that right now, and, like, slaps him away. <laughs> yeah. And they talk about how good the air is. Uh, Leland has a phone call, and Ben's like, make it snappy. <laughs> Sarah on the other end. And in the background, you see, oh, fuck, the cops are showing up. And Leland still thinks, oh, she must be with Bobby. And then he turns around and is like, Sheriff Truman. They figure out what's going on. Oh, she's dead. Sarah's literally left hanging, you know, and then she's like, yeah. tell me what happened. And she's like freaking out. And the sheriff takes his hat off and that's all you need to know. Yeah. Sterling drops the phone. You can yeah. hear this fly just going bug nuts on the yeah. other side. Yeah. Oh, no! No, 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 ultimate power! She does one of those, right? Yeah, Yeah, she turns into the Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, that's how he turned to the dark side. His daughter was murdered. No, it brings a whole new amount of depth to Palpatine's character. a whole bunch of depth to his character. Well, I kind of like that about this show is that, like, you know, all these murder mystery shows where they actually show, like, kind of the consequences of killing people. Yeah. Like, you actually see both the family and the community experience a lot of grief. Especially because it was somebody that was so well-known within that community. Yeah, yeah, also it's just such a small town that everybody knows everybody. Yeah, it is cool. Like, you really do see, like, we'll get into it, I guess, but slowly you'll start to see, like, the whole town, everybody in it's affected by yeah. this woman's yeah. death. To some degree or another, it's awesome. It's a really believable town, this Twin Peaks. It seems it like a real place. Like you said in the notes, how they focused on making the location first. They definitely did a good job of fleshing out this place. Yeah. Well, it was something I left out of the history because it's fucking long enough. When they went to these, this one town in Washington State, they seemed to just find everything they were looking for all in this one place. And they found a town that had, like, a big old hotel mm. and, like, a, an old school diner and so on and so forth. Just good luck, partly. So, yeah, they cut to the Double R Diner, and we see Bobby drinking his coffee. And then, yeah, the German waitress, Heidi, she's late again. Oh, it should jumpstart my car. Oh, it jumpstarting the old man. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> giggles at everything. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby offers Shelly a ride home, and on his way out, he plays this weird 50s haunted house kind of music. Okay, so there's the 40-year-old woman who, like, runs the place. Yeah, she's Her, like, her name is Norma, okay. and then the younger waitress, that's Shelly, and then the German waitress says Heidi. Norma, then. He's like, I'm gonna see you in my dreams, Norma, and puts on this song. And he's like, she's like, not if I see you first. Yeah. She's like, fucking. Let, let me bang. Let me bang. I'm trying to think of some other lines from that album, but it's all really inappropriate, and as we know, this is a clean-cut show. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> One. Stuff. This is clean. Yeah, real, real clean. This is clean as fuck, dude. Get your vanilla, your chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. So yeah, he turns on some like kick-ass organ music. I really like this. Shit. Yeah, it's it's weird. They reuse it again in like the second season. And Shelly's like, I think Norma's hot to trot for you, Bobby. Norma makes a fuck square. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should stop being a bitch. Bobby and just hit that. Jeez, Shelly, oh my god. Yeah, that's that's what women say to guys that they're fucking all the time. Stop you need to fuck more girls besides just me. Stop dude. being a fucking slut and fuck someone else, man. Jeez. And, I started uh, going out with an alpha, not a beta. <laughs> <laughs> fucking weeaboo. Yeah, almost. Virgin. 
Yeah, they make out a bit in the car, and they see a cop flying down the, the road in the other direction. And right after that, she has gets herself a drink. Out yeah, of she a, flashes busts a, out a flask. flask. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these kids in this small town? And, small, uh, wholesome town, huh? What the and fuck? And she's like, why don't you light your fire, cowboy? He's like, what, a little pick-me-up for homeroom? He's like, I don't need no fire. You're like a three-stage rocket, baby. A pocket rocket. <laughs> she's like, And that the was not up. one of our dumb jokes, by the way. He actually says that. And she's like, shut the fuck up, pervert, and drink. <laughs> Slam it back, you bitch. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so Face down, Tequila's your god now. Tequila's, yeah. They're going back to her place, presumably. And they're like, oh, my husband Leo, he's in Butte. Don't worry about it. Her husband? I thought that was his. That was her oh, it was dad. Her. No, it was no, her. No, that's her husband, It's dog. her uncle Leo. That's who it is. Uh, hello, Uncle <laughs> Shelly, where have you what? been? Shelly. I've been in Montana. Oh, man, I was way fucking off of that. But no, it is her husband. Supposedly, he was in Butte. But it turns out, yeah, they see his truck. He slams on the fucking brakes, and they're like, whoa, back up, back up, back up. Yeah, yeah. And she Shelly walks the rest of the way. Flies through the windshield. <laughs> but yeah, he's like a semi truck driver, like yeah. cross country. That's pretty cool. Yeah, way of the road, boys. Freak. Way of the road, bubs. <laughs> yeah. You see, piss jugs all over his lawn. <laughs> <laughs> he would too. He's Stop a... throwing piss jugs all over my yard. He's such a gross, dirty fucker. This he Leo. looks. He's all jacked up. We got to like Leland at the hospital. He goes. He identifies the body. Yeah, it's her, all right. And then yeah. to the high school, to the window, to the wall. No, Audrey's changing her shoes and. To like some red high heels. Yeah, some sexy back. shoes. Pulls out a cigarette or a logger. Rips a she's butt real quick. Blowing she's a, the smoke in. She's a bad girl trying to look like a good girl. It's hot shit. <laughs> what I did really like though was the gentleman in the red shirt after he closes his locker. <laughs> Doing like the fucking electric slide yeah, down the Playing some air guitar. That guy's the real star of the show, okay? <laughs> yeah, dude. He doesn't walk. He slides. Electric slide, motherfucker. It's interesting too because like if you watch more of the show it doesn't seem like this. Donna and Audrey kind of smile at each other and they like kind of act like they're friends but they like aren't yeah dude, they hate each other's guts didn't you hear they were just indifferent year. to each other and james shows up he's like a nice day for a picnic huh says to donna and she's like uh yeah it's weird because like in that scene like donna acts like she's friends with audrey which she isn't and she acts like she doesn't know james which she does that is weird what a actually. two-face i wonder if that's like a weird writing like it hiccup mi- yeah it might have been like you know something that from an earlier draft and then we see the air guitar bro bobby is wanted in the office uh oh. Yeah, he talks Uh-oh. to Snake. <laughs> we can't get away from him. He keeps coming back. And then we got to homeroom attendance, and Audrey is like here, but with air quotes. Yeah, because she's so fucking edgy, dude. So ironic. She's so fucking cool. Such an ironic memester. <laughs> Like Frank Jabs. I think Audrey needs to start shaving that mustache off, you know? James is like, yo. And the cop shows up looking for Bobby. And that's when we see the random girl running and screaming. Yeah, who, who was that? True to courtyard. I love this scene. I like that it's a nobody. I do too. It's but so I just, weird. Like, yeah, like the police officer shows up and it's like, I need to talk to fucking Bobby or some shit. You just hear the screams and this girl's running across the courtyard. That's a really good detail because it's like at the same time, someone else was told something. She just freaked well, out. What I think, and they mentioned this a little bit later that there's rumors flying over school like I wonder if this girl like heard a rumor that fucking Lara got killed and just had like a fucking mental breakdown oh that's the thing it seems like I could to- be a total coincidence not 
not be related to anything else, but I always wondered if it was. She was on the prom committee. She was going to be the one taking <laughs> yeah, all the, the pictures. the yearbook she's, committee. She's pissed because she's out of a job now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just took it as like a random little world detail. Yeah, it could like be. There's more people than just our main players. Oh, yeah, no, Laura's friends. Sorry, that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what I meant. They find out that she's dead, and they don't really take it too well. Teacher looks freaked out, and Donna looks over and notices that. And you, I know this from the movie, that the empty seat next door, that's Laura's seat. And she starts kind of awkwardly touching her arm and kind of crying. Kind of panicking, and then James just snaps a pencil. Yeah, and the teacher's like, there'll be an announcement. And I kind of like that Audrey looks just kind of intrigued. Mm. She's like, like hmm, what's going like on here? Like, she's a sick fuck, dude. Like, she's intrigued, but she I doesn't really I don't think really that look... she actually thought somebody was dead. She was just kind of like, what's this about? Like, yeah, yeah she looked yeah. intrigued, but she didn't look like she was particularly bothered by it. Yeah. She might not have been connected with Yeah, Laura she might not have gotten had any idea what was going on. She, yeah. she knew Laura a little bit, you, you find out. Not well, they weren't really friends, but they mentioned that um, she has like a mentally challenged older brother. Laura like tutored him, so they know each other mostly through that. Was that the guy with the Indian headdress? Yes. Was, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then we cut to it looks like the library, school library, and like Bobby's telling Andy and Hawk, the two deputies, what he was up to last night. Did you guys think the school library looked like weirdly familiar, like yeah. to like what when we were kids, what yeah. they looked like? It did. The plastic molding chairs and like the plywood everything and yeah, yeah. No, it's a really familiar looking scene. I, I thought that was cool. They tell the principal to go make the announcement right. over the intercom. I recognize the principal. He was the coach guy from the first Ace Ventura movie. Yeah, Principal Buzzcut, I called him. Yeah. Oh, he weird. was also, huh. he played a cop in Halloween 5. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, they take him as a suspect and he's yeah, like, yeah. you think I killed her? I loved her. That's an important detail. <laughs> well, they tell Bobby what happened and I actually thought Dana Ashbrook's acting in this was really good. Like, he has this one look on his face where it's like his face just kind of goes blank. It's this moment of him, like, actually kind of processing what they just said. But yeah. He, yeah, he, can't, you can he can't quite believe it. <clears throat> yeah, you can yeah. see all those emotions come over his face as yeah. they uh, kind of cycle through it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And at that point, Bobby gets super pissed that they think he did it, he said. <laughs> Principal Buzzcut, he gives the announcement. <laughs> he barely makes it without breaking down in tears. But hey, at least school gets out early, so that's a yeah. bonus. But school's before school's out, out. Oh, hold your Alice Coopers, everybody. <laughs> before school's out, join us in a moment of silence for Laura Palmer. Drink to the memory. Now school's out, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, summer! <laughs> and yeah, there's that shot, and they always call it the forehead of pain. There's this one shot of, of James where he looks all upset, and his forehead <laughs> looks extra big. Yeah, it looks like a super meathead. The like, forehead of pain? In the Twin Peaks memeing community? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know about that, Keith. You're too into Nintendo. This is Nintendo. Yeah, memes. I'm not subscribed. Just an uncultured swine. <laughs> I'm not subscribed to that subreddit. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was a Facebook group. <laughs> and I unsubbed because I, I was on Facebook too much. <laughs> it was really cutting into your social. Yeah. I was failing out of school. <laughs> so making too many memes about the log lady. Holy shit, the whole world, man. <laughs> Alright, get it out. Get it out now. It's a bunch of shit that I never knew anything about. I didn't know people were memeing Twin Peaks. <laughs> Nothing goes unmemed these days. <laughs> it's a dark world out there. Nothing goes unmemed like for a long. Effect, you said. <laughs> As you're pouring your drink. <laughs> like a fucking psychopath away. <laughs> 
Uh, so we cut to a shot of a picture of Laura Palmer in the trophy case because she was the homecoming queen. And it cuts back, dissolves to the same picture in her living room at home. Yeah, Sarah Palmer is on the couch just kind of apoplectic. Doc Hayward's here by her side, making sure she's not going to have a heart attack and die or something. Are they trying to get like some information out of her? Like, But she's just like totally out of it. She is able to answer some of the questions. And, well, I thought that that's uh, what they were doing when um, they brought the detectives in. Like she mm-hmm. was, they were sedating her so she would be like coherent enough to actually speak with them. Yeah. yeah. It's giving her like fucking serum of truth, man. Tell us everything. She last saw Laura at 9 p.m. And it's, it's interesting. She hears someone upstairs. She seems kind of alarmed. And I wonder, yeah, like does she think the killer could still be there? Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, it's one of my men and your husband. And then her yeah. face kind of hardens because she when her realized, husband was mentioned. Well, she also mentions that she could tell that it's not her just from the sound of the footsteps. Yeah, it's like either that or did she think for a second like, oh, that, that, that was Laura. So I was thinking about, like, you haven't, I, have you seen the Fire Walk With Me movie? I don't think so. Yeah. I just want to say, it just brings a whole different, like, yeah. perspective onto the show. Like, when they mentioned, like, one of my men and your husband, her face hardens, like, she knows something. And if you've seen that movie, I don't know, it just gives it a whole different context, specifically yeah. uh, at certain points. Well, yeah. I, I will say this about the movie, is that it changes the way I've watched the show since seeing it, like, because the movie is a prequel, so it's, it is interesting to see. Yeah, I definitely recommend watching the series before the prequel but it's interesting yeah. to watch it both with and without seeing that movie it's a, it changes the experience of the show i think yeah they show hawk upstairs in her bedroom and she takes a diary and a camera like a little video camera from her room leland's like you really got to take that you stuff have to take that like, yeah. sorry it's evidence it's like we'll give it back like, do you know where it. the key is for this like as if they really need the key um, and they mentioned that someone called laura the night before on the phone and then the phone rings again and the andy's like oh what's this about and he picks up the phone but it's, it's lucy from the police station and telling them that another girl has now been reported missing. And then we got to the mill and we see Pete Martell just hanging out in the office going to Mephores. Four by eights. Loves this, this by the way, it's the guy who played Eraserhead in Eraserhead. It's that same actor. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. And he's also as, as a small part in Blue Velvet as part of uh, Frank's gang. Oh shit, that's really cool. And a small part in Dune. He shows up basically in every David Lynch thing. But yeah, he's one of the Baron's like little assistant people. <laughs> little like sex slaves. Like... Right, he's, it wasn't one of those. Oh no, he's the workers. <laughs> but yeah, he was the guy that we talked about in Dune that kind of reminded us of Bill Murray. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Oh, you're talking about it's yeah. this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Josie wants to shut down the mill for the day. They get news that Laura's been killed and they're like, take the day off and spend time with their families. And the other girl that's missing is actually the daughter of one of the mill workers. Catherine is super pissed off. You're gonna cost us a whole shitload of money? She's like, I don't care. I own this shit. Shut it down. (laughs) Push the plug, she says. So Catherine walks down the stairs. It's kind of funny. She just goes, what's your name? And it's this mill worker and it's like, Fred so-and-so. She's like, you're fired. Oh, yeah. It's just like how she blows off steam. Yeah, like she has to like pull some sort of power move. Cold as Nice. Dude, she didn't even blink when she said that. <laughs> she fired that guy. We see Ronette Pulaski, the missing girl, hobbling across the bridge. And this railroad worker's like, what the hell? Yeah, and it zooms in like on her wrists and it shows that she's been bound. Blood on her nightgown. It's like she yeah. got fucked up. Yeah, like something happens. And then James gets to Big Ed's gas farm. Yeah, he wants to tell Ed that Laura's dead. I think Ed already knew that. And then fucking Big Boss shows up. <laughs> just like, I want those drapes set up. But fucking six o'clock. 
Yeah, man, this guy just cannot catch a break with these fucking drapes. Yeah, yeah, what the hell, dude? Why can't she do it? She's visually impaired. She's handicapped, man. Oh, she has no depth perception. That's right. She's, she'll hang all those curtains. It'll be all crooked to let all the light in. It'll be worthless. Who wants that? It's hardcore about these drapes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I really, I like her in this show. I do, too. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, he offers <laughs> to like, buy a coffee. He's like, nah. Cut to Dale Cooper, finally. 36 minutes into the episode. He's like, it's February 24th, 11.30 a.m., six miles south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. And he rattles off about, like, what he ate last. And he's talking about how good the pie was, the lamp lighter in. <laughs> you know, this guy records every detail. Yeah, this guy is, like, yeah. really methodical with, like, everything that he does. Like, constantly yeah. talking into his tape recorder. It's kind of cool to, like, see him go about doing his job this way. Yeah. He's very fun to watch. It yes. is really cool. When he talks into his tape recorder, he says the name Diane, which we don't know who he's referring to. It's actually kind of cool. Diane is actually a character in the new season. Oh, so that's So you finally cool. get to meet her, yeah. Yeah, he loves those trees, those Douglas firs he finds out there later. Yeah, he records. He has to figure out what they're called. Yeah, he's got, like, yeah, a natural yeah. intriguement about everything. Yeah, we see him at the hospital. There's a cool tracking shot through the hospital hallway, and he introduces himself to Harry. I didn't pick this up until probably the third or fourth time I watched this and, like, why the FBI is actually here, is that the night before, yeah, Ronette Pulaski, she was in Idaho. So because she crossed state line, it becomes, like, a federal matter. Yeah, there was also, like, some similar types of murders. Yeah, he mentions that later somewhere else in the state. And he explains that the FBI is in charge of this investigation. Like, a lot of time, local law enforcement doesn't like that, but that's the way she goes. Harry's like, fine with it. He's, like, really happy to have the FBI helping out. Yeah. I actually really like this, that he's, like, cool with it. Because, like, I think it's, like, typical, maybe. Not typical, but stereotypical. Yeah. To have sort of just, like, oh, man, this is my jurisdiction. These are my people. This is my gun. You know, like, that, that is. That I'm is, glad we didn't have that. It's like, such a, like yeah, a it's, it's, a, it's a pretty yeah. tired cliche. Yeah. Like, like a pointless. The small town cops running this shit. God dang, feds ain't gonna tell me how to do my investigation in my town. Yeah. yeah. I'm very glad it spared us of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it shows that uh, Harry Truman is a smart guy. He'd love to have anybody's help. They go to see, check on Ronette Pulaski, who is in the hospital now. He asks the nurse, was she raped? And her response is several times. Yeah, possibly by several different people. Yeah, asked if it's one perpetrator. And he wants to interview her. Yeah. Like, just like wake her up. And it's like, no, we can't. Like, she's yeah, like she's dying. Like, yeah, she's like she's, catatonic. She's yeah. got a torg over. Mega torg over. As far as they know at this point, her and Lara hardly knew each other. And yeah, she says she doesn't know where she is or if she is. I think she might have brain damage. She's got a pretty nasty bruise on her. Around yeah, her like eye. her head's kind of like swollen. And then he asks, I'd like to scrape her fingernails. And the sheriff's like, well, we already did that. And he's like, oh, shut me. He does it anyway. And yeah. do it again. I like his little magnifying glass. It's like a brick that's got like the glass in it. Though. Yeah, and it even has like a little flashlight. They're in an elevator. And that's when we first see the man with one arm. Mm. This guy in black with a beard. Then they see Jacoby. Yeah, they get the off. Psychiatrist. This is the guy with the earplugs. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, they try to ditch him at first. Like, yeah, they and he just, catches like, up with him. Get yeah. back into the elevator and go back to like a lower level. And he's this goofy looking guy. He kind of looks like Bob Ross. He's got like um, big uh, poofy hair, curly hair. He has um sort of almost like 3D glasses. Like one lens is red and one is blue. And he has like a Hawaiian style tie. And then like a, just a doctor's coat. And he's got shit in his ears. Yeah, it's quite the character. <laughs> Sounds like an extra on Beekman's world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So he like just runs down the stairwell to meet them. Mm. Like as the elevator lands. And he corners them. And he's super weird. He's like, who's this? And he's like, oh, this is Special Agent Cooper. And he's like, like Gary, Gary Cooper? Cooper? It's pretty funny. And he's like, <laughs> Laura was my patient. 
my her parents they didn't know that she was seeing me yeah and he's like giggling the whole time he seems very suspicious and weird i think it's implying that they were like fucking or something i don't know they i don't think they ever say that explicitly in the series but maybe yeah and they go to the morgue yes and this is where out, uh, Lara's body he gets out his little kit again and he gets ready to scrape underneath her fingernails and we get this really uh, this scene skeeved me out a little bit the him, close up on the hands on the hand yeah. and, and him putting the tweezers underneath her fingernail i was like it yeah. went like halfway pretty to her friggin knuckle yeah. oh man yeah. pretty deep deep penetration. <laughs> oh man Ooh. but he pulls out a microscopic little letter r yeah What's tiny like about? yeah this is part two with the uh, flickering lights a technical problem that they left in and there's another weird thing in this too that was a flubbed line and cooper says to the, the doctor that was already there do you mind leaving please and he's like uh jim and he's like oh do you mind leaving please because the actor had misunderstood and somehow thought that he was asking him his name so he gave him his real name i thought that that was off i was wondering yeah like, yeah it's a, it's a cool moment that's awesome yeah. that combined with like the flickering lights it makes it feel like a more real place like yeah maybe the lights are out but they just haven't gotten around to fixing it yet mm-hmm. like it's yeah a, it's I mean, a that's total, exactly what really happened that happens yeah. all the time yeah so we got back to the gas farm where don has been waiting there for ed that yeah she can't find james ed gives her says. a note that says meet at the roadhouse 9 30 yeah and then mike shows up and he's pissed yeah dude he's <laughs> like where's bobby man bobby the jail is my best friend where's my friend bobby and then she's like laura was my best friend it's like well bobby's my boyfriend so let's and, find uh, him he's like i like there's this exchange with him and ed and ed's like muffle it junior and he's like <laughs> he's like mind your own business and he's like you're on my lot friend and he's like ed i'm not your friend yeah he's a little fucking snot bag it's, it's funny he's in the new season series like he's a totally just responsible middle-aged guy who like sells insurance that makes sense though this kind of character like he just totally right? became a normal like, guy yeah that's awesome bobby does too actually he's, now he's like uh one of the deputies in twin peaks is he fucking mike's boyfriend uh, Did mike and bobby i don't know up? uh maybe they are they boyfriend boyfriend i don't know i'm sure there's plenty are they of... old hands skip down the street i don't know i'm sure are they like going to movies together i'm stuff? sure there's Having probably dinner? some slash fiction you could find that'll flesh that all out <laughs> some some yeah, or yeah that, that other twin peaks fan page that other twin peaks subreddit where can i find that internet <laughs> inheritance <laughs> i inherited the internet after they pull out the tiny letter r he's like you gotta tell me what's going on he's like sheriff we get a lot to talk about and they go over the evidence at the sheriff's department it's funny he just like pries the diary open yeah he's like do we have a key it's like nope and he just so he just opens it <laughs> and he shrugs i kind of like that it's like a close-up on harry's face and he's just like why not i guess and like yeah cooper just shrugs like it's pretty funny yeah they have great i think camaraderie those yeah. two characters yeah they do they've got like a real Hoskins like was Ambo dynamic here. Yeah, dude, oh, they're yeah. like best friends doing liquor on the set and shit. They cut to the diary entry from the day before something about how she hates asparagus and she's nervous about meeting Jay tonight. And they flip through the thing and he finds a key with some white residue and he thinks is cocaine. Yeah, he's like run this in the labs. Harry's like, I don't think there's cocaine on that. He's like, you ever been surprised, Harry? Yeah, you ever been surprised before? I really like that line. And Diane, I'm holding a box of chocolates. He records small chocolate bunnies. Yeah, yeah. like he, he records everything that he's like reviewing yeah. before he starts reviewing it. So it, the scene ends with him like, I'm holding a box of chocolate rabbits. That's really funny. That was actually an audiobook that they released based on the show, and it was just like the tapes of Dale Cooper. Oh, that's so cool. So it included, yeah, some stuff that wasn't even in the original show. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. That is really cool. I think they have that at the library here in town, by the way. Oh, and shit. it's like, yeah, on 
on the original cassette tapes. Fuck, that's awesome. That'd be cool to listen to sometime. They find the murder scene. They find this train car where uh, they all got slaughtered in, and Andy's there, and he's like, Tell Sheriff Truman I didn't cry. <laughs> and he's like crying. I kind of like that about him, though. He's sensitive. I mean, yeah. he may be a cop, but still, like, dealing with all this fucked up shit actually, like, really impacts him. He's probably new to the force, right? Maybe only a few years. That could be. I think he was a pretty young guy at the time Harry goes, that actor. I like the set, though. The dilapidated it, train. Like, it's a pretty good place for a murder scene. Yeah, it, it looks It does good. look very ominous and scary and cool. And they interrogate Bobby. Bobby's getting heated. Yeah, yeah he's dog. just, like, straight up, like, did you kill Laura Palmer? And he's like, no, man. It's like, you two, you had a fight. It's like, every Everybody fights. Like, they studied together until 9.30. Yeah. And he's like, if I sang songs with her, if I skipped rope with her, what difference does it make? I didn't kill her! And I think he says, like, I loved her. How can you do this? And Cooper's like, he didn't love her. At the end of the scene, he's like, you didn't love her anyway. Being a real dick. It's true. He was cheating on her with someone else. Now, Cooper did a great job with this interrogation bit here. He plays the video yeah. of Laura and uh, Donna? Yeah. Like dancing around. Dancing. Thing, which brings up an interesting point. Who was filming them? Oh, oh Hitchhiker just walked down. And he does. He straight up asks, like, who else was she seeing? And he's like, what the fuck? He's just point blank, like, that's a sick fucking question. You're a sick fuck. I'm not answering it's it. It's like, did you ever do cocaine with Bobby? It's a sick fucking he, question. He mind fucks him, fuck. dude. Yeah, because there's this Straight part about, like, fuck. about, like, halfway through <laughs> where he pulls out, like, this little uh, messenger thing and he types out, he didn't yeah, do it. on the and calculator. He, and he hands it to the sheriff and then he just continues with the investigation anyway just to fuck with him. Yeah. Well, also, you know, anything he might know that could be valuable. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, watching this. Like, I never suspected Bobby. He asks him, Bobby, do you know who Jay is? Yeah, And yeah. Bobby's face lights up with, some, like, recognition. Yeah. He doesn't say anything, but, like, he, he knows who Jay is. Yeah. And we cut to Audrey being a goddamn punk kid. Yeah. Okay, good. Bob. Bitch. Okay, Bob. She's stabbing a pencil into, like, a styrofoam cup. It's kind of, like, jiggling it in there. So she's, like, talking to the woman at the desk, like, what would happen if I pull this pencil He's out like, of this don't cup? don't you do that. Don't you do don't, it. Don't, don't, don't. And she does it anyways, man. And it gets everywhere, of course. What the Splooshes fuck? Splooshes all over the place. Coffee everywhere. She goes in to commit industrial espionage against her own father. Yeah. Tells them about my friend Lara. She been murdered. They're all talking. And she just saunters into the room and then, like, stands at the corner like all sexy, and he's, he's like, like what is like, wrong at younger pretty girl it kind of breaks the whole room up huh and they do not like it so mike goes to get bobby at the police station and he's like i don't know what's up with donna man like yeah <laughs> i couldn't imagine bobby's fuck buddy picks him up at the police station <laughs> only bang bro i will let you, I'll let you bang bro i will let you bang bro <laughs> oh i love you funny so bobby's dad is like son you know i'm here if you need a sympathetic ear and he's like i don't need any damn sympathetic anything this officer looked really familiar did he look familiar to either of you guys he looked like the guy who played father weasley in the harry potter movies the bald guy the bald that was, was going to go bobby's leave. dad he huh. was in an x-files episode that i saw that was awesome i don't know other than that i don't think i've seen anything else yeah yeah he did look really familiar too i was like what did he play Wormtail or some shit i don't know what else he was in but he looks super fucking familiar yeah, I don't know. Then they interview Donna. She claims that some woman hiker was the one that shot the video, and she's not a great liar. Yeah, she actually sucks. I yeah, know. I know he knows right away, like, she's protecting somebody. But they do let her go. Yeah, then Lucy comes in, and she figures out that the guy that shot the video was a biker, but, like, Coop already knows because of his super detective skills. Yeah, he's Batman. <laughs> he saw the video, and he zoomed way in onto Laura Palmer's eyeball and could see the reflection of a motorcycle. I thought it was... That looks 
like a hog to me. Enhance. <laughs> Enhance image. That's a pretty cool detective work. Oh, this guy knows what's up. Dude, there's a shot of James just kind of surveying the mountains. This cut sad. was awesome. We need cuts from like the reflection of the bike in the mirror in her eye to his bike there. And yeah, yeah. it there. was cool. Yeah, it was awesome. At this point in the movie, my guess is that he's the killer. Or that You he, really thought James might have done it? I thought that James might have been, if not the one who did it, who definitely had a hand in it. From what I've seen so far, this movie is leading me to believe because I have no idea what's going to happen at this point or like who it could possibly be but this scene here pushes him to the forefront I think I, <laughs> is this yeah, when he's on does. the hill like acting all emo and shit <laughs> like, I'm sorry best friend died bro and then like the Norwegians are leaving yeah, I wonder Audrey, why Audrey's delighted there's a really funny voice in the background where it's just like the Norwegians are gone <laughs> okay yeah she is a menace dude a menace to society <laughs> Coop and Harry go to check out the train car that we see earlier there's all kinds of red kool-aid on the inside there's a lot of blood there's bloody clothing yeah bloody rags fucking bindle on the floor with a bunch of shit in it but most interesting of all is a dirt mound with a gold locket with a gold heart on top of it yeah. more importantly a gold broken heart it's broken right yeah. in half down the middle yeah it's like a halfsy necklace and they also see written in blood on a piece of paper is the phrase firewalk with me yeah they think that uh, who has the other half of the necklace might be the killer and it cuts to James holding the other yeah. half so now we know who has it so yeah. is this why you thought that because this had- if what happened before or didn't push me all the way this definitely did at this point I was like yeah no it's gotta be him and then we see Audrey's very special brother bashing his head off of a dollhouse yeah he's wearing like a headdress like a Native American headdress very long like down to the floor well like there's a nurse that comes downstairs and it's like he's still expecting Laura and it's like just tell him that Laura's not gonna be here why can't he understand that it's like his his mother says that cause he's retarded right yeah (laughs) you should know this You're his mom. Yeah, right? It's, like, crazy. Yeah, so that's yeah. a cool insight to, like, Laura. She, like, worked with this kid. So it's pretty interesting. Like, without actually being around, she turns into a pretty interesting character. Yeah. Like, a pretty yeah. fleshed-out character. It's really well done, I'd say. Yeah, she's just always in the background. Yeah. They go to the bank to open up the Laura's safety deposit box. Because that's what the key in the diary was for. They find a fat stack, find ten... Jeez, man. 10k in cashola. A lot of lettuce. It's a lot of cabbage, cheddar, (laughs) clams. That's a lot of Girl Scout cookies, actually. That's what they say, yeah. (laughs) They find a copy of Flesh World magazine, which I think is basically the text version of the Craigslist hookup section. If you see more of the show, that's what it kind of turns out to be. But they find a picture in there of Ronette Pulaski circled. So it's like, what's going on here? And pretty close to that, by the way, you see a picture of Leo and next to his rig. This is Big Rig. Big, Big rigs. rigs. So we know he was a freak. He's a nasty ass. It's a fuck freak. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Everybody's a fuck freak in this program. That's much. It cuts to his truck, and then it cuts to the inside of his house. He's sitting, he's got a bottle of what looks like hard liquor. Shelly's watching TV, but the TV is annoying him. He yeah. commands her to shut that TV off. Yeah, and then he's like, come over here, Shelly. Tell he's me like, about I want to see this. Oh, by the way, the reporter, I think you mostly hear his voice, but you might see him. That's actually Mark Frost. He holds up fucking two cigarette butts at her. And he's like, hey, Shelly, I was just wondering, <laughs> Shelly, I need you this? to help me out here with yeah. this. The way he acts is such like, a fucking creep. It's so fucking stilted and weird, but it's kind 
kind of funny. Yeah. I find him I actually very funny. And he has like weird hair. Like he's got like the blonde. The one that hangs in front of his eye. Yeah. He's like one stuff. of the, he's like one of those bullies from Are You Afraid of the Dark all grown up. <laughs> and he's like, Shelly, I need you I need you to help me out here. I need you to buy one brand of cigarettes and one brand only from now on. Or else I'm gonna snap your neck like a twig. So you know, I'm just gonna do that, honey. But yeah, it's like he's it's so deadpan. Yeah. He says like the craziest shit. <laughs> the look on his face is what's it's like, like so it's fucking dead serious. Yeah, he's just staring he's, at it. Yeah. He doesn't blink, man. <laughs> Shelly, what the fuck is this? If I ever find any other brand cigarette, you only smoke one brand from now on. <laughs> there are two brands here. I thought you only smoked one brand. Sometimes it's like, Leo, you know, we get all kinds of packs of the diner, me and Norma. It's pretty harsh. He's a real messed up guy. He's a real, he's a real piece of work, that Kind one. of impressive, though, you can identify two different brands of cigarettes by holding some cigarette butts in your Oh, well, they're pretty yeah. obvious. Like, one had, like, the classic kind of gold filter and the other one had just like a white oh, filter. Oh, that's right. The filters oh, yeah. probably look different. I don't smoke cigarettes so that's probably why I'm yeah. just a stupid ignorant fuck about that. <laughs> Fucking normies. <laughs> don't fucking touch me. Sadfrog.jpg So he's like, two things, Shelly, when I come home, <laughs> I want this place clean. And I mean clean. And one pack of cigarettes. Yeah, there's a deleted scene from the movie that was really funny where, like, Shelly was cleaning. He's like, Shelly, see, the whole problem is you have a poor <laughs> attitude, Shelly. You need to change your attitude, Shelly. Please tell me this guy got, like, a bunch of episodes in the series. He's, he's got a he's bunch of Emmys. Yeah, quite a bit. Keep watching, dude. There's more Leo goodness. <laughs> yeah, Leo dude. madness. Shelly. Come on, Shelly. Come on, Shelly. Shelly. Come on, Shelly. 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 Come on. <laughs> Fucking mad TV. <laughs> Ooh. I miss it. Not all of it. Just some of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some of it. What the fuck were we talking about? So he's gonna like Jason Voorhees her neck into two half necks. <laughs> So Norma calls up Big Ed at work. She also wants to meet Ed at the Roadhouse around 9.30, and Nadine is still screaming about drapes. Yeah, isn't she, like, opening and closing them or something? Furiously. Yeah, like, fucking big you No, know, because he, he, he finally did it. He finally got her drapes up. Yeah, no, she's not satisfied. Like, I don't know. If, I think they look pretty good. What do you guys think? I thought um, you did a pretty decent job. I think job. you did a pretty good job. Well, you get into the whole plan of hers with drape runners, where she wanted to make ones that were totally silent, and there was this whole uh, weird science experiment. So they still made some noise which might not have been to her satisfaction. You know what, Big Boss? Sometimes you just gotta suck it. You got to chill. So we a town meeting here. And yeah, Coop is talking about that rabbit that he saw. Oh, shoot, rabbit. He's just so excited about it. He's yeah. just like, I'm so happy. He has like this childlike wonder when he's like learning what? new things. Well, that's what they say about transcendental meditation, which is David Lynch's whole thing, is that it kind of lets you see the world with these kind of fresh eyes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he sees uh, Josie come in. He's like, who's the babe? And that's when they talk about, yeah, Josie's husband died, left her everything, including the mill, which pissed off Catherine, who Harry calls the original deep freeze. And then we see local bigwig Ben Horloff owns <laughs> half the town. He's not after Josie, he's after her land. Yeah. So yeah, they're about to just get this thing fucking running, and the log lady all the way in the background is like flicking on the light, like you're yep. like fucking second grade, like flipping Trying to get everybody's attention, kind of like, that's her way yeah. of like calling order. Yeah, because the mayor, like, he tries to bang the gavel on the table, but no one really gets it. And he's it. like, hey, hey, hey. 
He's like a thousand years old. Yeah, he's <laughs> way too old to be doing this. He's job. literally ninety. <laughs> <laughs> I think he should yeah. take a break. You know, like a nap. Cooper he talks to them about the Teresa Banks murder, as he put it, in the southwest corner of the state. This town being in the northeast corner of the state. Mayor Milford tries to do it, but he's like way too fucking old. Yeah, so. and they say it's like she had no family. It wasn't even news. Laura and Ronette are the second and would be the third victims of the same killer. He thinks, and it could be someone you know. And he suggests a curfew. And I really like this line. It's like I will remind you. These crimes occurred at night. Yeah. And he encourages everybody to not turn it into a witch hunt. Doesn't want people going crazy here. Yeah, man. People are going lost their minds. And we cut this cool, creepy shot of a traffic light. Yeah, this shot's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it recurs probably at least like two, three times just in this episode and also in oh, some yeah. of the later episodes, too. Yeah. It's is, a cool thing. Is there like a significance to it? If you watch the movie, there's some significance. I can't remember if they explain what the deal is in the show. And they probably actually came up with the explanation in the movie later. They cut to Donna's parents talking talking about Laura's parents, how they made it through the day. Donna overhears them about how they think that the killer might have the other half of that necklace, and of course she knows that James is the one that has the other half. Donna hatches the scheme with her little sister. You gotta cover for me. Who runs by her her terrible poetry. It's not good. Corny. Let's be honest, kid. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) And Mike and Bobby show up, and they're shit-hammered. Yeah, they're so They're driving drunk drunk as fuck. And Mike, like, walks up to the door, and he's like, hey man, is Donna home? I want to show her to my new boyfriend over here. His name's Bobby. Bobby's my new boyfriend. Everybody. We're gonna be a big fuck triangle. <laughs> We're gonna, <laughs> gonna turn into trifecta gang. I hope that's cool with your family values. Family's values. So if they're... not, I'll blow you too. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we made up half the shit in this episode. Get weird with Mondo Cool Movie Dudes. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Bobby's surfing on the hood. Yeah, the like he's, he's like surfing cans. and he's trying to give himself like the around like he's got the beer like Leahy does. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to drink it while he's surfing yeah. on the hood of the car. I'm surfing the car, Rand. <laughs> I'm surfing the car. He's like, have you boys been drinking? He's like, you know, sir, we're all pretty broken up about it. Like that makes it okay. Yeah. And the dad's cool with it. He's like, yeah, you know, that's good enough explanation. It was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, di- it was a different world. It was a world we might not understand. At this point, like, I had a funny image of, because they keep calling him Snake, I thought of Kurt Russell playing this part. <laughs> Just Kurt Russell Mike. in 1990 <laughs> with an eye patch playing a high school kid. That's Mike. That's my boyfriend, Bobby. He's like, I don't give a damn about your curfew. <laughs> Donna, where have you been? <laughs> Bobby's been in jail. Just get in the car. That would be good. Let's see that happen. Kurt Russell. Yeah. So Harriet is busted. Busted loose. And I thought, she has a really big room. Yeah, that room is very spacious. That little girl? Well, she's like 14 or something, but yeah. Yeah, her younger sister. Yeah, that room was massive. The size of my fucking house. (laughs) Yeah, that's the size of most people's goddamn bathrooms. Wait, what? Living rooms. That'd be a big old bathroom. (laughs) It's a big bathroom. Donna's sister just sells her out immediately. Yeah, he's like, damn, I'm going to tell it to you. I'm going to tell it to you straight. (laughs) I like how she like looks out the window and then she gets in the position on the bed like she knows that there's no way out. She's being pragmatic about it. Mike and Bobby head to the roadhouse and it reminded me of Roadhouse. It reminded me of uh, that part in Tall the Sunny where Mac is just like strip club. <laughs> yeah. Strip club. I keep thinking of Roadhouse the movie with bow, Patrick Swayze. Bow, 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 like bow, fucking bow, roundhouse bow, kicking bow, people bow, and like punching their hearts out of their chest. That shit. movie fucking rules. That movie is rad. <laughs> Holy shit. It is way cool. God. So um, Damn. Holy fuck. 
Doc. Doc Hayward, he reports Donna missing, and they put out an all-points bulletin. Cooper and the sheriff, they're staking out the roadhouse. It seems like everybody's coming to the roadhouse. Yeah, they want us to get some... It's a focal point. They want to get some Patrick Swayze action, dude. Yeah. See him pull someone's heart out of their chest. They cut to the roadhouse, and, and Julie <laughs> Cruz is playing some super chill music, which does not fit with the scene super well. It almost seems like it needs more of like a punk rock vibe or something more upbeat. But that's the thing about it is like a David Lynch kind of, you know, having these two things that don't quite go together, which yeah. sort of makes it funny in a weird way. Are you talking about the lounge singer? Yeah. I didn't think she was that bad. I thought she was all oh, right. I didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't either. Good, yeah. So Ed and Norma are talking about maybe getting together, but her husband's in jail. As Ed puts it, your husband being on parole for manslaughter, parole's got a nasty ring to it. That yeah. brought another point of attention. Man, nobody is faithful in this town. Everybody's Nobody cheating is. on everybody. And like, I like how it ends too. Like the very last affair reveal is like good. Where it yeah. like seals it as like, yeah, everybody's got fucking dirt in this town. And nobody's like that Seriously. good of a person. Everybody's yeah. got secret lives. Everybody's fucking. Yeah, dude, second life. Everyone's playing second life. There is a line here Brian really fucking thought was great. Ask me why I'm whittling, Coop says to Harry. And he's like, all right, why? And it's because that's what you do in a town where a yellow light still means slow down, not speed up. That's but a good our, one. Our buddy Brian, he just, he loved that shit. It's one for you, Brian. It's one for the books. <laughs> Like we should get some donuts. Oh, shit. We should have got donuts for this. God damn. I did. I brought coffee. <laughs> Authentic coffee. See, that's coffee sounds right there. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> can't fake that shit. Can't fake it. So Mike and Bobby get to the roadhouse and they see Donna show up as well. Mike kind of freaks out when he sees her. Big Ed gets pissed. Yeah, and he like goes to like fight him or some shit. Yeah, he's like, fight! <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm gonna punch two he's high like, school enough. in the face. He looks pretty big and fat him. He probably would have kicked their ass if they hadn't blindsided and punched him in the kidneys. I wouldn't fuck well, with Big Ed. They explain in the second episode that like he was drugged. Oh. Like they put something in his drink and that's why he wasn't able to fight back I was much. wondering where he, he probably went. Kick some ass yeah because there's like a whole bar brawl that breaks yeah. out and i was like where's big ed the whole time i was like what the hell happened because bobby's like screw you mr monkey wrench and he punches him right in the back and <laughs> good one bobby yeah well that's the thing is i thought it was funny was like bobby blind like the music keeps up just like really <laughs> mellow while there's like it's like a crazy melee breaking out yeah it's a nice like overhead shot of the whole bar's like floor like the dance yeah, floor. It's yeah. Like cool everyone's just fighting each other it's awesome and this guy with like goofy hair he gets done out of there Coop and Harry kind of follow them, but at a discreet distance. And a bunch of cops show up at the roadhouse. James is telling Donna he can't go back home. He's telling her he can't go home because he has no alibi. Like, he was with her that night. So that's why he's been, like, hiding out in the woods this whole time. He mentioned something that Laura said Bobby killed a guy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's not really brought up again in the series that I remember. Yeah, he said at times it was like Laura was a different person that night. And then she screamed that she loved him and then jumped off the bike at a stop light. Yeah, just like really irrational behavior. Yeah, just acting pretty nuts though. So it's like, wow, what's going on with this lady? Yeah, at this point I was like, I don't know what the fuck now because now I know that he didn't do it. I'm like, well, shit, who did? Good question. Who Um, killed Laura Palmer? Him and Donna just start making out. Yeah, and then they're both like, what the fuck? And then James is like, I'm not sorry. And then they start making out some more, man. I'm not sorry. And then they hear sirens coming their way. The other half of the necklace that James has, they just decides to bury it. It's like marked by like a stone or something. Yeah, they put a rock on top of it. Coop and Harry, they spot him and they apprehend James. That's where the part where she's like, she didn't do anything. She didn't do, <laughs> anything. didn't do anything. And they get to the police station and they put James in a cell next to Mike and Bobby. Yeah, they're on the drunk tank. 
And yeah, Bobby kind of stares at him like a maniac. Like he James wants looks, to eat his liver. Yeah, James looks pretty worried. He's like, Nah. Yeah, his meat has extra heavy. <laughs> this part of his forehead did look pretty pissed. <laughs> like even through those iron bars, you could see it big and wide. Yeah, Bobby just stares him down, and then he starts barking at James like a dog, like a dirty dog. Which I don't get. I didn't think that they hated each other. Like not that they were buddies. Well, or... the thing is that Bobby has figured out that the J that Laura was probably carrying on with was him. Oh. So that's the thing. It's like my girlfriend's dead, and she was cheating on me, and I find all this out at once. I gotta somebody's gonna die. Somebody's I gotta gotta fucking kill somebody. Die. Like, no, if I was him, I'd kill the first living thing. That is hot. Just run to the nearest living thing and kill it. <laughs> just kill it, man. Yeah, they just fucking uh, at him. I feel like Mike just joins in because he just loves Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's so fucking cool, dude. I gotta fucking do what Bobby does. Dude, Bobby's so cool. Like Bobby Joe. And Bobby Joe. <laughs> I thought this was a pretty good friend. The guy, like his neck is squeezing and his like eyes are bulging. Yeah, like, he looked really good. He looked crazy. Like he would actually eat somebody's fucking stomach. Like, well, also, like, like around this time, they get cut to the uh, office, I guess, in the sheriff's department. They have fucking epic donut time all set up. They have like all these donuts <laughs> yeah. ready for the next morning and coffee and everything. Yeah, like Lucy sets it up every yeah. every day. Like man, she's awesome. Policeman's paradise, dude. And man. he does it as, as a means to get him to stay, right? No, it's something I Lucy think does. It's just, yeah, it's they do like all the time. They oh. do regularly at that police station. Kubrick keeps rambling about how he needs a clean room reasonably priced. Maybe a TV. Maybe a phone. Harry's like, I get you a good right up for the Great Northern. He says to say it to him like He's three like, times. I, I just need a good room, clean bed, whatever clean the fuck. Reasonable price. He's like, I can get you a good rate, Cooper. Like, shut the fuck up. I'll take care and of it. And that's when the crazy barking scene <laughs> happens. And then we see Harry pays Josie a visit and they make out. Yeah, that's right. And that that's the last one where I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, nobody is clean. Everybody has dirt in this town. Yeah. Even Harry. This, like, They're both nice... single people, though. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think. Oh, yeah. I never caught that. Because um, uh, Josie's a widow. I don't think Harry was married or with anybody else. Oh. But they were, I think they were keeping it on the down low at that point. I'm not sure why. Uh, probably because, because like, cleaner than she's I got thought. that big stake in the mill. Find out that she's boinking the sheriff, then. Boink, yeah. boink, 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 That's boink, true. Boink. She's going to get some special treatment. And at that point, uh, like um, they're like kind of looking, looking out onto the lake, and Harry's like, must have happened about 24 hours ago. This time, yeah. This time. Which is eerie. That's a really eerie thought, right? It is, yeah. Because you can see the spot right from where uh, they found the body the first time, right from where they're standing. We get another creepy stoplight shot, and then we cut to Sarah Palmer smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and there's another shot of the fan, the yes. ominous fan. She's having like a flashback to that morning. This is about where the differences start. Okay, so I guess first we can talk about the original TV version, what happens. I think in the TV version, yeah, she has a vision of a hand digging the heart necklace out of that mound of dirt. Yes, because it was marked by that rock. Like, it yeah. seems like yeah. the hand, like, knew right where it was, which yeah. is really weird because the, only the two of those people were there when they buried it. Yeah. Somebody's watching. In the closed ending version, the movie version, it's a little bit different. We see Sarah, that is, go up to Lara's room because she's having, like, flashbacks to that morning. We see two panning shots. The first one, there's nobody in the room. And in the second panning shot, we see Bob. Which freaking yeah. freaked me out because I didn't notice him at first. Like, <laughs> Like it took yeah. super until creepy. you guys pointed it out. I was like, whoa, there's a fucking head there. Yeah, that's like gotta be the creepiest thing in this whole movie. And we see what Lucy and Andy do at nighttime. And <laughs> Lucy's playing with a paddle ball. Andy is playing the trumpet. He's playing taps. Apparently they're, they're getting to. ready for bed, too. It's winding it's down, I suppose. How they wind down, I guess. And Leland calls Lucy at home. And that made me wonder, is like, do they not have anybody on staff at the sheriff's station at nighttime? Eh, no, Maybe. no crimes happen at night. Come on, everyone's in bed. 
Yeah, yeah like a super small town. Palmer getting killed. Yeah, well, that was the one time. <laughs> I assume that like a small town like this, their police station might close for the night. I wonder if there's like anywhere that where they actually still do that because it seems so risky to do. It does. It seems crazy. Nowadays, yeah. <laughs> any days, man. Any days, any ways. Any Billy Mays. Leland calls up and talks to Lucy. He explains that Sarah remembers seeing somebody in Laura's bedroom this morning and they want to get a composite sketch. So then Lucy calls up Harry and explains what's going on to him. And we see Cooper sleeping restlessly. Looks yeah. like he's baiting. We got Kyle McLaughlin. He's laying stomach down on the bed and he's just like and he's like kind of sweating, kind of puffing, just like breathing heavy. Looks like his arms jiggling a little bit. The nerves, I think he's masturbating. It's a questionable scene. This is questionable. I'm just, I'm just saying it's questionable. <laughs> I think he's probably just sleeping restlessly, but I think he's jerking it. He so might be baiting. Bobby! <laughs> yeah, he's busting. Busting, 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 yeah, busting dude. makes him feel Busted good. Busting makes him feel great, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah! <laughs> Invisible oh. bed. <laughs> Freaking bed. Freak. Ghost bed. Cooper just wakes up and he gets like this phone call from a dark, shadowy man at a phone booth. Yeah. He's like, Meet me at the hospital, bro. And he basically implies that he knows who killed Teresa Banks a year ago. And then Lucy calls Cooper and says, Yeah, to bring the sketch to the hospital once you get the sketch done. And he says this When two events occur simultaneously pertaining to the same object of inquiry, we must always pay strict attention. I remember that line was reused later in the series. And we see Mike, aka Philip Gerard the one-armed man and he's kind of cast in shadow in this first shot yeah he kind of walks into the light and yeah. it's the same room that Laura was in and he's at the door earlier when, in the day when Harry and Cooper comes in he says don't worry it's he's unarmed or he's not armed or something and I was like that's pretty funny uh, I always think he says yeah he's the one arm but I, no I think he does say he's unarmed but <laughs> yeah. like what the legendary he's unarmed he's got an arm off <laughs> he does I thought this guy um, he had a really like not like cinematic more and more creepy than anything else like with the way his like tongue was moving across his lips as he talked it's yeah. really sensual this guy had such a cool voice yeah, yeah really this deep almost like growl I thought he reminded me of Jack Nicholson a bit like if you lowered his voice a couple of octaves it probably would sound pretty similar to this I didn't think of that but maybe he says through the darkness of future's past the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds, fire walk with me. He says, we lived above, I think you call it a convenience store, which was a weird thing. It's like, what fucking dimension is this guy yeah. from? He doesn't know what a convenience store That's is. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's really it's, cool. It's, it's a, yeah, it adds to like this idea of him being like a supernatural being. This whole um, closed ending, maybe it's because I saw just the way it was normally going to segue into like the rest of the series, but yeah. this whole ending, it feels so stilted to me. Like, I don't know if I ruined it for myself by watching that version first or this one like I'm kind of following it but it feels like so weird and out of place almost I think a lot of the material that's in this closed ending is really fucking cool like it's like cool. <laughs> this scene is really cool and some of the later stuff is really cool too but I think it's better in the context of the way that this footage is reused and wrapped into other episodes and some of it's turned into a dream sequence I think that usage of it is better probably than this but like this scene here 
with this guy is like it's pretty cool too. It, it is cool. Like oh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's just it feels so weird and hard to follow for me. I guess. Yeah. It's a lot of weird ideas. You know, it just goes into like a red room at the end of it, and then it kind of ends and stuff. Like we'll get there, but I think I know what you mean. There's just a lot of more questions than answers when it ends. You know? Like it throws a lot of them at you at the end. Yeah, he talks about how he'd been kind of like basically tracking Agent Cooper because he knew Agent Cooper was on Bob's trail, and he talks about him working with the infirm and the injured of the species. Those are the kind of people that are his victims, or like those kind of like the screwed up vulnerable people. Mm. Which, if you watch more of the show, definitely turns out to be true. Yeah, that makes sense. Just easier prey, I guess. Yeah, he said like that he used to kill too, basically, and then he saw the face of God, and that changed him. He had a tattoo on his left arm, on the shoulder, so he took his entire left arm off. It was like this weird attempt to free himself of evil, I guess. And that's something that you would just say is psychotic. <laughs> that's psychotic behavior, bro. They show him the sketches. Yeah, and the first one's like a decoy, and he's like, that's not Bob. And they see another one, is like, yeah, that's Bob. And yeah, he's in the basement of the hospital, and he has this weird shrine set up. Which I thought was really cool. I like this shrine, this like circle of candles around like some sort of mound of dirt. And we see Bob, and I would describe him as looking like a fucking roadie for Metallica or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Frank Silva, he's a Native American actor, and he had long gray hair, and he wore like a denim vest and jeans and shit. Pretty rock and roll. Yeah, he was pretty bitching, dude. Just a roadie that lost his way. Stray roadie. No band to follow. (laughs) My band died. And an interesting thing, too, is I noticed, I think (laughs) you only see it in this episode, he also has a tattoo on his left shoulder, just like Mike did before he cut his arm off. I would say his acting in this episode is not the best, Frank Silva, when he actually had to to talk and shit. He's like, welcome to the killer's lair. I know, it was kind of like Halloween haunted house. Yeah, (laughs) it was a little corny. But I do think it's kind of cool, because he calls out to Mike. It's interesting, he can sense that he's there, and he's like, Mike... Mike, oh, yeah. are you there? And all this shit. <laughs> you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of, remember that part in Final Fantasy VII when uh, the guys in the hooded robes all have those tattoos on their arms and they all have to go to like reunion? Mm-hmm. Sephiroth's like coming back to life or whatever and yeah, shit. Yeah, you end up <laughs> going to that small town and yeah. like following the mountain path. That part was awesome. Yeah, they all have tattoos on their arms and they're, like they're all labeled for something, yeah. which makes me wonder like how many more of these guys are out there. There's a whole cult. And you see this wide shot where we can see Mike sneaking up behind Cooper and Harry and they explain like what was the letters under the fingernails all about and it was going to spell the name Robert which is as he puts it his proper name he speaks in you know these weird sort of rhymes he's like you may think I've gone insane but I promise I will kill again. And yeah, and he which is weird. Do you think he would go again? But yeah, yeah, he's like slicking his hair back and shit. He looks really crazy in this. Scene. He does. And then Mike shoots him. Yeah, he just <laughs> he's up. like, like hell, blows him to town. But they seem to be linked somehow because Mike collapses after he shoots Bob. It's like he can feel the pain that yeah. Bob feels. Yeah, I was like, like what the dying. hell? Did he just yeah. like it hurts like hell. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's dying too or something. Yeah, it's and then Coop cool. is like, he looks at the candles, is like, make a wish. And then they all blow out. At the exact same time. Seconds later, yeah. And then guess what, bitch? We're 25 years later. Yeah. And Coop's looking wrinkly. He's actually <laughs> aged much better than he did in this Yeah, show. right? He actually does look a lot better. He looks yeah. a lot better. I don't know if I was really buy- funny. <laughs> buying that old man makeup. It looks like they kind of took, like, cover-up and just smeared it on his face. To they just him, made like, him look like, like he had these, like, little wrinkles. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he doesn't look super fucking It old. looks weird, yeah. yeah. He looks shiny, like he's, like, made of plastic. <laughs> he does look like he's wearing a 
bunch of plastic on his face, doesn't he? It somehow it so fits the weird. show to me, though. It does. Yeah, he's sitting in this room with red curtains and this black and white tile floor, and you see a midget shaken up. We see, like, on this couch next to him is somebody that appears to be Laura Palmer, smiling at him. But it might not be Laura Palmer. It might be that guy's, like, cousin. He speaks backwards, and he's like, let's rock. It's kind of cool. You see this shadow floating behind the curtain behind them, this dark shape. And he says, that gum you like is going to come back in style, and she's my cousin, doesn't she look exactly like Laura Palmer? It's like, that is Laura Palmer, you kook. What the fuck? What are you, crazy? You nut job? And she says, sometimes my arms bend back. And, and she makes, and, like, a uh, painful face, too. Yeah. Just, like, she's wincing. And I've wondered a lot about, like, why these things, creatures, these freaks, they live in the red <laughs> the room. Abominations of Why God. do they speak the way that they do? And that's what I thought is, like, if they're sort of like these weird spiritual beings, maybe that's just what their speech would sound like to us. That they wouldn't speak exactly the same language or in the same way. Or it's like what our ears allow us to perceive when they speak. That's another thing, too, in a lot of these things. It's like, would it be English? Well, that's the thing. Is, at least they're not aliens. It's true. Uh, they didn't go indie on this. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been nice, though. Aliens in your Twin Peaks show? Maybe. Hey, who knows? And he says, where I'm from, the birds sing a pretty song, and there's always music in the air. And some jazz music starts playing. That little midget guy, he just starts getting his groove on. Oh, yeah. And he walks away from Cooper and Laura Palmer double. Snapping his all fingers. This stuff. Snapping his lips. Shaking his hips. And, like, I like the perspective of this when we pan and follow this guy walking. It almost seems like he's growing as they're shrinking in the distance. I like never thought of that. It's really cool looking. And the way he moves in general is, like, really bizarre. But you explained that. You said that the whole scene was basically shot in reverse. All the dialogue is in reverse, and I think even all the movements are in reverse, except for when Cooper talks, he says, like, one or two lines in this scene, and that's all normal for the other two. It's all backwards. Laura gets up and just kisses Cooper right on the mouth. Get slipped the tongue, dude. You know? And she whispers something in his ear, and then the credits start to roll. That's the Twin Peaks movie. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if that was all the Twin Peaks there ever was, and the pilot didn't get picked up. Like, how weird would that be? Like, it would probably be in the yeah. running for, like, the most bizarre ending to a movie in Probably, yeah. Just hanging with so many questions. Yeah. Introducing so many new ideas and then ending it. It's like, what the fuck? So that's the Twin Peaks pilot. The Twin Peaks pilot gets a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy wow. It's like based on like eight reviews, but still. It's an 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb and a 4.15 out of 5 on Rate Your Music. How would you guys rate? The Twin Peaks pilot. I'd say check it out. If you haven't seen Twin Peaks yet, or you've heard about it, you're kind of curious since there's a new season, I'd say check it out. It's worth seeing. It's really interesting. It starts out, and it might seem pretty cheap and pretty, like, inconsistent in tone, but I think that's kind of what adds to the charm, and it's it's not actually that cheap once you get into it. No, not really. And the tone starts to get pretty consistent. Yeah, then the characters start to grow on you, and you just learn about these people and this town and what they've been up to, and it's really cool to to see how this just this one person how it, her death affected pretty much everybody in the whole town i really like the four by three cinematography that's the thing i really like a lot like um old it's always sunny episodes they uh shoot it in four by three it's a smaller frame it's not as wide so you have to actually like stage certain things specifically to get it all in like a certain shot and i like how they do that in this show i really like the cinematography in this the music's really great at times it's kind of creepy it's got that like horror edge so that might be a 
appealing. It's a really good sense of humor. It's kind of all over the place. I would recommend it. It's four out of five for me. As for me, I'm going to mirror a lot of the things that you said. The music was good. I like the characters. I like the characters a lot, actually. I like all the set pieces, the way how this whole town feels like a real place. How the simple event of the death of one person kind of affects this entire community in the way that it did. As for a rating, I'm going to give this a three out of five. I really, really liked it. I think I need to watch it again now that I have a better idea of what I am going into because watching the closing just left me feeling like I had so many questions yeah. that just weren't answered and it's driving me nuts and I definitely want to check out the rest of the series. It's intrigued me enough that I want to see where this whole thing goes. But yeah, I would give it a three out of five. So I would actually give this like two different ratings. For the original TV show episode as like an episode of TV, I'd give this a five. Easy. It's my favorite episodes of one of my favorite shows. But for the movie ending version, they give it like probably a four and a half, maybe four, four, four and a half, something like that. This is one of my favorite probably pilot episodes. I thought it was very cinematic despite it being made for TV. Really good intro for the show as a whole. A lot of interesting characters, relationships, interesting subplots. It had me hooked on the show and I really wanted to see more after I watched this first one. I think, yeah, like I said, I watched like five episodes of this in one day the first time I started watching this program. Yeah, I thought it looked great. The soundtrack was awesome. Good acting. A lot of strange and interesting touches to the show. It makes you care about the victim and it makes you feel that the loss of the town and the family is a great sense of place. I like the sense that the show gives you of like any of these characters could be up to anything. There's kind of a fun nostalgia aspect having been a kid in the 90s and like how familiar certain things look to this. I thought the movie version was different but still good. I think as a movie it's one of David Lynch's better works and there are some issues. A lot of threads in this show are kind of dropped and picked up in later episodes and some of the ending feels a bit like filler. There may be a little bit too much Lucy there. Frank Silva's acting isn't the best but Al Strobel was really good. I like the dream sequence version of the, the ending that was used in the TV show more. As a movie scene like the red room part it's kind of raises a lot of questions and doesn't make a lot of sense. That's an interesting thing to think about like if with the closed ending that version of this episode if that's all the Twin Peaks that there ever was how would it be remembered today? Probably not as fondly. Because yeah there's a lot of stuff like the relationship between like Ed and Norma that's like why would that even really be in the movie? It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. A lot of those threads don't really go anywhere so like as a closed film doesn't work as well as it does as a pilot episode. That's what I would recommend is watch this show or at least the first 17 episodes because it kind of falls off a cliff after that and then watch the pilot with the closed ending and it's, it's cool as a fan as like sort of a curiosity but if you're going into Twin Peaks blind and that's what you watch it's like the pilot episode with the closed ending it might be kind of unsatisfying so I guess that's what I would say about that so for next week's episode we'll be doing 2000's How the Grinch Stole Christmas starring Jim Carrey everyone's favorite version everyone <laughs> loves it so check us out in the meantime on MondoCoolMovieDudes.com we're also on iTunes please rate review and subscribe to the show you really will be helping us out we're also on Google Play Stitcher SoundCloud and YouTube for a full list of places to check us out go to MondoCoolMovieDudes.com slash links we're also on Facebook Facebook.com slash MondoCoolMovieDudes and Twitter at MondoCoolMovies and you can email us any criticism tributes or trill things to say or trill ass things to say <laughs> suggestions and so on you can email us at MondoCoolMovies at gmail.com so again join us next time for How the Grinch Stole Christmas Woo! Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. alright. Yeah.
Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And have a good night. Peace.